Welcome to Ballsafe, the show about the commercial side of the pinball industry. This is episode three, and three is the magic number. Yes, it is. It's the magic number. My name is Ryan Cravens, and today my guest is Bob Burnham of Paradise Pinball Flippers Arcade. Bob is a great energetic person that is actually one of the most influential commercial operators in the United States, and he is an OG pinball enthusiast turned operator. But before we get to our conversation with Bob, let's take a look at some things that are going on on the commercial side of pinball. One of the most important things that has happened in the last couple weeks is that Massachusetts and Colorado, almost on the same day, opened the door for FECs, which is Family Entertainment Centers, and locations with amusement devices to reopen. One of the main reasons why they did this is there were pending lawsuits, sometimes going against the governors themselves, from different business organizations And that is what finally made the big change. The other issue is that it was getting very difficult to argue that casinos could be open, but these locations that are more family-friendly, especially to younger people, uh, was not okay to be open. And if you dug a little bit deeper, you're basically saying, hey, we want the money because the different states were getting a cut of the casino revenue. But when you look at... The target audience for casinos, those are the folks that are most likely to have complications from COVID. Okay, IAPA uh, canceled the November 2020 show in Orlando. And you're probably thinking to yourself, what in the heck is IAPA? It's actually one of the largest shows in North America for the commercial industry. It really targets uh, FECs as well as theme parks. Uh, there are people that make roller coasters that attend this. And it also has a very large international presence. Well, it is not going to be happening in November this year down in Orlando. And so now all the eyes are on the Amusement Expo in 2021, which is supposed to happen in Las Vegas in mid-March. And finally, the Pinball Garage opened up in Hamilton, Ohio. Brad Baker is the uh, person behind this location, and if that name sounds familiar, he was the person that was on Shark Tank uh, a couple years ago uh, with a virtual pinball project. He has now opened up a a location with over 30 pinball machines, and he's looking to expand when he can uh, do away with some of the social distancing requirements that allow him to only have 30 games. Okay, uh, we're about to listen to the conversation with Bob Burnham. I'll give you a little rundown uh, on, on him. Uh, he runs the Paradise Pinball Route in Colorado and Wyoming, as well as the Flippers Arcade in Wyoming. In the greater Denver area, there are over 200 locations that host well over 800 pinball machines. Denver is one of the fastest growing major cities in the United States and is attracting younger people from all over the country. And these people are bringing their love of pinball with them. Thank you to Pinball Matt for all that info. Uh, Bob has actually been in the Denver area pushing pinball for nearly 20 years, so he's ready for all these new folks. So let's talk to him right now. So welcome to Ball Save. Uh, thank you for coming on board. Can you please introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Bob Burnham. I own Paradise Pinball and Amusements. I'm out of Colorado and uh, Wyoming. We also run Flippers Family Arcade, which is a very large arcade in uh, Cheyenne, Wyoming. So glad to be here. Okay. 
Yeah, you yeah, know, thank you. Uh, so we've known each other for a little while, but I, I, I would love for you to, to go over your background. And uh, I, as I, I jokingly tell people, even though it's the truth, you're, you're kind of like the, the original pinball enthusiast turned operator, but it, you didn't do this two or three years ago. You did it quite some time ago. So can you get into that? Please. Sure, sure. Yeah, I actually did this about this year is my 17th year. So and I, I always played in arcades as a kid. My grandpa used to take me to the arcades over Christmas break and stuff like that. I used to love to play pinball. And uh, so I went to a garage sale one summer and there was a time machine sitting there that was broke and uh, saw that. And I was like, holy cow, how cool would that be to have in my basement? You know, and uh, they only wanted three hundred fifty dollars for it. And I had a lawn service at the time, so uh, I had a little cash, and I, I bought the thing and uh, took it home, started messing with it. Couldn't believe all the wires in it and all the stuff in it and everything like that. I was always the type of kid that loved Legos and stuff like that, so always messed with stuff, and uh, we worked on that thing, got it all up and running, got it together, and uh, loved it. And uh, so I kind of it kind of rekindled my passion for the pinball. And uh, there was a bowling alley over in Greeley, Colorado, and I called up the owner over there one day and. Uh, said, hey, do you guys have pinball machines in there? Because it was about a 30-minute drive. I didn't want to drive over there if they didn't have any pinball. And this was kind of in the time when, you know, pinball was out in the locations. It was mostly video games and stuff like that. Pinball was pretty much on its way out. And uh, he's like, no. He said, I've been trying to get pinballs in here for years. He said, I can't get anybody to bring them in here. And I hung up the phone, not thinking anything. And I thought, well, you know, I got a little money with my lawn service. I got this time machine. And I was like, so I called him back up and I said, hey, how about I bring you some pinball machines? He said, sounds great. And uh, so started looking around. I found a Fishtails and found it. Or actually, I found an Adams Family first and then a Fishtails and a Star Trek Next Generation, which is this one right here. Went to Kansas City to, to buy it. Got it. For so the, the one behind you, yeah. the one behind you is the one that one of the ones you started with. Yeah. Okay. I still have the original four that I started with. So it's pretty cool. But so, yeah. <laughs> so I went over there and put those in there and started going. I'll never forget the first time I opened the coin door on the Adams Family. saw all those quarters in there. I was like, this is cool. You know, <laughs> it was like... <laughs> They're paying me to have a game here, you know? And so, yeah, so that kind of just, just kind of rekindled the whole thing. And I was like, this, this is a pretty awesome deal. I mean, I never thought about being an operator or anything like that, you know? And so the, the people that had the video games in there got annoyed and they pulled all their video games out of there. And the owner of the bowling alley said, well, I guess you got to bring me video games. So took some of that money and went out and uh, bought a buck hunter and stuff like that and put it in there. And I, just kind of stepped into being an operator. It was crazy. And then just started looking for places here and there. And I mean, I really used pinball to get my foot in the door because I mean, a lot of these locations would be like, man, I'd love to have a pinball machine, but the operators wouldn't provide them. You know I mean? They just, they're too much work They're You know, blah, blah, blah. You've heard it all, you know? And so that was a kind of my end for getting locations is I'll bring you a pinball machine. Oh yeah. Sounds great. You know? So that's kind of how I got started in the whole, the whole industry and pre-COVID we were up to a hundred locations that we were taking care of. We've lost a few now, but we still got a ton of pinballs out there on the route. And that's, that's something that's just my, my love and my passion. So, so, so 17 years and again, pre-COVID you, you get up to a hundred locations about how many pieces of equipment, pinball and everything else were you running? We were right at a thousand. We were right at a thousand machines. Yeah. Wow. So, and I mean, and this was something that I didn't have a bunch of money when I was a kid, you know, I mean, <clears throat> didn't come from money or anything like that. So, I mean, my parents, you know, always taught me a work ethic. So, I mean, I just took this, took these out and, uh, you know, I was working another job at the time selling trucks and uh, doing pretty good with that. 
after I got rid of my lawn service. So I just kept rolling that money back in to the business. And uh, we've grown that really just by rolling it over and over and over. And then when I got big enough where I could, you know, just do this full time, that's the way we went. And my wife was also a nurse. So she was working a little bit, you know, part time with that. And then when we got big enough, she actually took over the book side of Paradise Pinball and, and she actually manages Flipper's Family Arcade now. So that's kind yeah, of how so we got so it going. True. So truly family business. And, and then mm -hmm. now you, you have two younger sons and, right. and so your, your eldest, he, you actually put him to work. Yeah. Yeah. Drew, uh, he, he has actually been going with me on the route since he was five. And I used to take him <laughs> along with, cause you know, he just used to love the video games and, and love being out there. And so I just took him along with, and he's, he's actually got to where he absolutely loves it as much as I do. I mean, Every time we bring home a new pinball machine, it's just like he can't wait to tear into that thing and LED it out and get it all fixed up and get it ready to go. So he's he really loves it as well. So I would disagree with you and say that he likes it as much as you do. I think he possibly <laughs> right. likes pinball more than you do. Right. Uh, you're and, right. and just so everybody listening knows, uh, Bob was at my place of work uh, last week. Yeah, and uh, he he brought Drew and Jace with him, and uh, they, they got to to play Avengers for the first time. One of the first people outside of my company to play Avengers, yeah. and uh, and what's great is uh, Drew is the only kid I know that has his own Twilight Zone that he has completely ripped apart and yep. put back together in his room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he conned me into getting that in there, and he uh, he did. He completely restored that pinball, and it looks great. <laughs> He's really proud of that, so that's awesome. <laughs> that's that's yeah. fantastic. And, and so now, how, how old is, is Drew? So Drew's 15. Yeah, and 15. he's actually been shopping pinballs for about the last five years with me. I mean, he just, he was always, I got pictures of him when he was a little bitty, you know, inside the cabinet, standing inside the cabinet, changing bulbs and doing his thing, you know, and I would let him help me, and Man, he's just taking it to where I literally will bring the pinball in. I don't even set him up anymore. He sets them up, goes through them all, puts the LEDs in and puts the, the red lights like in the speaker panels and everything, does them all up. And then I'll go in there and I'll play a quick game on it, make sure everything's working and they roll out. I mean, he's fixing switches. He's doing, you know, he knows how to do it all. Solder. I mean, he's, it's incredible. So <laughs> it's I thought pretty, it was pretty cool. Yeah, well, it's, it's amazing. I thought I was pretty cool because I, I was waxing pinball play fields at age 13 he runs circles around me. <laughs> so that's, that's awesome. And Jace will be next, I'm sure. Yep. Yeah. He's, he's trying to follow in his brother's footsteps. So, yeah. <laughs> no, that's, that's fantastic. And, and just so, so people may not know this operations or operating companies tend to be family businesses. And a lot of times you'll see second or third generation and you can kind of see that, happening again here slowly it's they're yes. a little young but uh yeah but they, they obviously have yep. the bug yes drew absolutely is i mean he's he's already saying i'm i'm taking over someday i'm like that's fine by me <laughs> you know so <laughs> it's pretty neat to see it see that transition because he'll be second generation you know i mean it's it'll be it'll be it'll be really neat yeah so, that, that's that's yeah. fantastic i uh I wanted to yeah. talk a little bit about, so you went from, from pinball enthusiast operator to a full line operator. And, and you, you mentioned like you had buck hunters and things like that. But so, you know, if you go into a, a typical location that is operated uh, by, by your company, what would I find in there? Like, like what type of machines are you, are you running? 
So we're, we are full line. I mean, we'll, we actually run pool leagues. We run dart leagues. We run pinball leagues. So we will, we've got ATMs, we've got cheap boxes. Basically if it takes a quarter or a dollar, we do it, you know? So we are pretty much full line and, and do absolutely everything for the location. You will find a pinball machine or two at least in almost every one of my locations. Cause that's just, that's my thing, you know, paradise pinball. I mean, we love to have, pinballs I mean, even in the laundromats you know i'm gonna and you'd be amazed how well they do in a little laundromat they, they'll out earn the video games most of the time it's incredible you know so but yeah most of the time you'll see you'll definitely see a pinball machine in our locations unless the owner or something specifically didn't want one but yeah we, we don't like those owners. so yeah <laughs> now yeah no we don't <laughs> <laughs> so so you're you're a full line <laughs> operator and and one of the things that you are highly involved with is an organization called AMOA. And can you take us through what AMOA is and how you got involved with them and what, what you do within the organization? Yeah, so the AMOA, I actually, my distributor down in Denver, one day I walked in there and he slapped this uh, application on a desk and he said, fill this out. And I said, what's this for? And he said, don't worry about it. And I said, uh, okay, I'll take a look at it, you know, and he goes, he goes, this will be the best thing you ever did. And uh, so I took it home, started kind of researching the AMOA and seeing what they did and stuff like that. Talked to Sherry, my wife, and uh, she was on board with getting on it. And so we went ahead and we were like, well, we can try it, you know, and see what it's like. And uh, so went ahead and joined the board and uh, I've been on the board now with them for five and a half years and absolutely hands down the single best thing I ever did for my business. I, especially as a business owner that, you know, didn't really grow up in the industry where my dad or my grandpa could tell me, Hey, this is what we've done. It works, you know, and stuff like that. I never really had that experience. And like before I joined the AMOA, I mean, I wasn't running ATMs, you know, and a lot of the, the, uh, the guys that have, bought, that have been on there, that are seasoned, you know, operators are like, man, Bob, you got to get ATMs. It's like, okay, you know, I'll try them. So now we've got almost 20 ATMs we're running. And I'm like, yeah, you guys are right, you know? And so, but I mean, the AMOA has just been something for me, especially as an operator that, like I said, didn't grow up in the industry, just eye-opening. I mean, for the, for the things that they do for this industry, I mean, and what they're watching out for, for us. I mean, you know, I mean, people don't realize that, you know, government is always working out there. I mean, a couple of years ago, they were doing, don't change our change, organization or uh, they were trying to they actually had the government was trying to change the quarter and you know i mean it, it doesn't sound like it's a big deal the metal in the quarter well we would have had to change out all our coin mix and all of our games you know and they said it would cost our industry i think it was something like three billion dollars you know to change out all our coin mix to just do that kind of stuff and we were actually able to fight that back and and win that you know i mean and the, <laughs> the funny thing was is i heard a statistic that the government was only going to save about a hundred thousand dollars a year by doing those quarters that way so you know when you really look at it, it, you're it, it wasn't it, yeah well i was going to say it wasn't changing like the design it was just changing right. the uh the 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 makeup of right. or, or the the lack of uh, ingredients if you will uh right. for the, the the quarter and, and that will mess up all the coin mechs, everything that takes the money that exactly. like you said anything that can take a quarter of a dollar but yep. you would have to replace everything and that would be a gigantic burden on you exactly exactly and even if they go out there and they change our bills you know and they change the way the bills look i mean then all our bill acceptors have to be updated if they're updatable you know some of them may not be they're maybe too old you know so i mean there again it's just you know, and then Operation Choke Point, and they were going after the ATMs, you know, and the, and the different things with the cash with that. I mean, they're always, they're always doing that kind of stuff and watching out for the industry 
I mean, it's, it's a great organization. And I mean, if anybody's interested in joining it, I can honestly tell you it'll be the absolute best thing you ever did. It's really, it's really great. In, in really quick, Operation Chokepoint, I can't talk, um, is what well, was something put on by the federal government where they were trying to cut down on large amounts of currency that were being put into banks and by companies. And essentially what they were trying to do is they were trying to stop money laundering. But what it was inadvertently doing is that it was stopping operators from uh, running ATMs because the banks were, were now saying, you're bringing way too much uh, cash in here. And according to the government, we have to stop doing business with you. So you have 30 days to find a new bank. Right. And the problem, not, not just because it's, it was a burden on the companies, which obviously it was, but it was now putting less and less cash into the, uh, the system uh, overall. And so because there are fewer and fewer banks now, and the, the banks are relying on private companies like yours to be the cash provider, now you have people with less access to cash. And there is a large number of people that are unbanked that need cash. And so it, it's, it really, uh, unfortunately, what it came down to is, is it was really hitting the disenfranchised. Uh, and so AMOA was uh, one of the folks that were, you know, they, they have a big lobbying effort and in going into to Capitol Hill and saying, guys, you're hurting a lot of people by doing this, please stop it. And so it, and it's gotten better, I do believe, correct? Yes, it has. There's been a lot of relief on it. We'll still hear a few operators saying, hey, I got another letter from my bank, you know, but I mean, for the most part, we've seemed to have curbed it a little bit, so which is very okay. good. And just like you said, I mean, we need the cash, you know, so. Yes. And right now I've heard there is a coin crunch. Are you having a cash crunch right now? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of people that are saying across the country that, you know, coin shortage is a very real thing. And we, uh, I haven't actually seen it in Colorado, of course, because Colorado, as of right now, we're still shut down, you know, so what yes. quarters I have been getting, I've been keeping, you know, and uh, just hanging on to that way if when Colorado opens, you know, we'll be able to fill changers and stock up and help our locations if they need them and stuff like that. But I've been hearing that there is coin shortages. I mean, I actually saw the other day on Craigslist that they're actually willing to buy any amount of quarters for 5% over. So there obviously has to be a coin shortage somewhere, you know, wow. so yeah. And well, so, I mean, I haven't directly seen it, but doesn't mean it's not there, you know, so. Okay. Well, that, that, that's a, a perfect uh, transition to, to the, the next part. So you're, you're part of the AMOA, which is a national organization. It, uh, it, it basically encompasses operators all over America, and I believe up in Canada as well, some, some operators there. But there was no organization in Colorado until uh, you started getting busy. So can you please tell me a little bit about CAMO and, and what's going sure. on? Sure. Yeah. So CAMO was formed here in April, and... Uh, with the need because our uh, our Colorado has been very non-helpful to the, the arcade industry. I mean, they don't really, they're not really concerned about us. They didn't even really know what operators were. So I kind of got a group together and we uh, had our first meeting down at Game Exchange, some of the key players, you know, in Colorado that were willing to invest and see what we could do together. And we had almost 20 for our first meeting down there. And uh, it was really Which is good. a fantastic turnout. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it was absolutely a great turnout. 
So we kind of met together, you know, saying, hey, guys, how are we going to start, you know, getting our name out there and let them, letting them understand who we are and what we're doing? Because, I mean, Colorado is sitting here going, well, you know, we let the restaurants open up at 50% capacity, but they, you know, you guys keep your game shut off, you know, well, they don't realize that there's an operator, most, most cases involved in that. So you're, by you doing that, you're actually hurting another industry. So we formed that association. It's called Camo. And, uh, we, uh, have almost, I think we hit 30 members just this week and, uh, got some great, great, uh, distributors and manufacturers as well that have helped us out, including Stern. So, which we really appreciate. And, uh, but, uh, so yeah, we've we've really been getting our name out there. We've we've got some good publicity in newspapers and uh, on the news actually, and uh, some of the some of these bigger arcades in Denver, like One Up and places like that, have actually contacted the news agencies. And we've been working with that. And uh, we hear rumor maybe that we're we're going to be able to uh, get some relief and get get opened up here pretty soon. So we're pretty excited about that. So well, that's, it, that's uh, fantastic. Very, yes. So. So, so Colorado, unfortunately, is not the only state that is is being tough on operators like you. And, right. uh, you know, Ohio uh, was getting a lot of attention in the beginning. Uh, Massachusetts uh, has has some laws where they are saying that uh, no arcades can open up until there's a vaccine. So some pretty draconian measures, which yes. is which is odd because obviously with, with arcades, your target audience are kids and kids are more likely, you know, if they are to get sick from, from COVID, they're probably going to bounce back a, a little bit easier. However, these same States are allowing casinos uh, to, to be open. And exactly. the target demographic are not kids. They're actually the most vulnerable people with, with COVID. So uh, the, the biggest difference is that the States are usually getting some sort of revenue split uh, with the casinos. And right. I, I'm not saying that it is the, uh, the same story everywhere, but it, I do believe there is, you have something similar of that going on in Colorado, correct? There is, yes. The casinos were allowed to open, just like you said, and they're supposed to be spaced out. We've actually checked some of the casinos and they're not, you know, they don't have six foot spacing or anything like that, as well as the state run lottery terminals are still running, which makes it, you know, difficult on us. I mean, because like you said, the state has a vested interest in those. They're getting a good chunk of revenue off of those and they want them to be open. But I mean, even like the other day, I was driving down the street and you see Redbox and I mean, there's two people standing in line to get a video and there's somebody up there at the screen touching the screen and, you know, renting a video. I mean, they're taking it home, they're putting it in their DVD player and then they're taking it back and somebody else is bringing it home. So, I mean, really it's kind of a, we've likened it to where they're kind of picking winners and losers on this whole situation. And they've really kind of attacked the arcade industry because of our, you know, touch the buttons or the joysticks or whatever else, you know, but that's where even with the AMOA too, they were able to help us with the white letter and, you know, stuff like that to get to these uh, states to where we'll say, Hey guys, you know, I mean, we're willing to help out here too. We'll put hand sanitizer stations out, you know, we'll clean games. We'll, you know, as much as possible. And, you know, let us have a chance and a fair swing at it as well, you know, so it's been, it's been very good. And I mean, nothing like a unified front to get before the state, you know, with a name and, you know, let them know that who we are and hey, we are a group of operators out there that are really getting hit hard on this, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, the, these organizations uh, are, you know, no matter what your business is, you're going to be stronger with, with, 
like-minded folks. And I think one of the best examples is up in uh, Washington State, the bowling association, uh, the, the, the state-run bowling association, put together a campaign. And as a result, they were able to, to reopen their, their bowling lanes. And so obviously with, with, with the same idea that, that AMOA has been doing with, with operators by you know, getting the facts out there and showing, hey, this is how you can successfully and safely open up uh, a, a place of business that is going to you know, cater to you know, a, a family dynamic and things like that. And, and, and I think it's something that you mentioned before uh, that, like you said, Colorado had no idea who you and the, the other 29 other people were in, in your organization for, for the simple fact that, you know, everybody, you know, not everybody, but most people, when they go into a location, they think that location owns the, the Star Trek or the, the medieval madness that's right behind you. Uh, they, right. Don't, they don't know that it's this kid, the, this guy that has a couple of kids that are, uh, you know, stripping all the games for him. Uh, exactly. So, so again, the, the education is is super super important, and uh, and now I don't believe you guys were involved in this, but I, I saw that there was a petition by one of the local bar arcades uh, that was trying to get people to get in front of the Colorado government uh, a petition that would say, you know, casinos over arcades. Mm -hmm. um, now, are are you familiar with that? Or oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. we spread that around all over as much as we could to try to get as much traction out of that as we could. And I think that was a big, big help for getting, you know, in front of the governor and, and, uh, cause he's starting to get some pressure, you know, and yeah. they got, you know, they have to realize that, Hey, we're an industry here too. And we are, we are suffering hard on this, you know, every week that goes by that we're not allowed to turn our equipment on is another week where, you know, like this week, I ended up at one of our largest locations. I had to pull out half the equipment because we got snow this week, which is, you know, crazy. An early winter, they had patios set up with all their people out there. They were able to serve, but well, snow's here, you know? So, I mean, the patios are shut down and they're like, Bob, we appreciate what you do. You've done great, you know, but you know, we got to get some of this equipment out here so we can put some more tables up. I mean, they've got, you know, it's tightening around their necks as well, you know, and it's just, it's getting to the point where they're getting desperate and well, my equipment's sitting over there in the corner, not turned on that space where they can use for tables. And we all know how hard it is to get that equipment back in those locations, you know, yes. In the, or even in the first place, getting them in there at times, you know, so yeah. 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 So well, longer. I, yeah, I, I, exactly. Uh, I, I wanted to switch a little bit to now, now you're, you're an operator, but also you own your own location. And so, you know, talk to me about, about flippers. Flippers is, in not in Colorado, it's in Wyoming, and the right. the laws in Wyoming are a little different. So you've been able to reopen flippers. So tell me about you know what what you've been doing you know since you were able to reopen and how long you've been open. Yeah, so Wyoming, yeah, definitely loosened up and loosened up their laws a little bit earlier up there, and they're allowed to have fifty percent capacity in your locations, and they've allowed the video games to be turned on. They at first came out that they said they didn't want any pool or dart leagues, which we totally understand. But we actually, with the AMOW up there, yeah, the AMOW in Wyoming, we were actually able to get a, get a bill or a letter to the governor explaining, hey, this is what we're doing. You know, we're cleaning, we're keeping a roster, we're, we're making sure, maintaining social distancing, we're coming out with guidelines for our, our league players, and he actually allowed us to start up the leagues again, which is really good for us. So that started about probably, I'd say two and a half, maybe three months ago, we got to open up Wyoming again. And uh, Flippers, we were able to open it up. And when they, when they first came out with the guidelines, it was actually only 10 people 
per location. So we didn't even bother opening up. And uh, so then the, after that month, when they kept the numbers down, they went ahead and allowed us to open at 50% capacity. And Flippers, we opened it up and uh, it, at the first couple of weeks, boy, we were scratching our heads going, man, what are we going to do here? Because the people weren't coming, you know, they're afraid and everything else. So we actually <clears throat> started to run some local ads in Cheyenne with uh, on the TV and on Facebook and stuff like that saying, hey, you know, Flippers takes your safety seriously. We've got full time employees that all they do is walk around and clean the games and you know, and we actually show video of them doing it and stuff like that. So we do have a full-time person on staff there that actually that's all they do is clean games the whole time we're open. And uh, wow. so the numbers have been slowly rising. The FEC side of it is definitely going to, you know, is seeing a pretty hard hit. There's no doubt about it. But each week it seems like we're rising just a little bit more and a little bit more, which is, which is really good, you know, rather than going in the wrong direction. So but uh, yeah, so Flippers is open back up and uh, we're doing pretty well. We've been, uh, we're, way, we're way off of our numbers we were last year, of course, but you know what, we're paying the bills and we're maintaining right now and we're trying to keep everybody safe and healthy and it seems to be, it seems to be working, so. Okay, uh, it, so the, the last time before this weekend, last time we, we hung out was, was at a, a trade show called Amusement Expo which was a joint venture between uh, a bunch of organizations, but, but the two main organizations are uh, the AMOA and AAMA, which is a similar, it's a sister organization essentially, but for, for manufacturers. And you know, the, the, we were hoping to see each other in uh, this November at uh, the, the other major trade show, uh, IAPA, uh, which is in November, and that was just canceled uh, last week. So the, you know, the, the next hope is, you know, we'll get back to normalcy and hopefully uh, the, the next Museum Expo will be in March in Las Vegas. Uh, right. Again, I, no one knows if that's, that's going to happen. We're all being optimistic and, and hoping it will. But, you know, besides going to trade shows and, and traipsing across the country, uh, you know, what, what do you see for, for the, the next, next six months to, to a year for, for your business, you know, overall, and just the overall uh, commercial sector for uh, the, the U.S. Yeah, I mean, it's going to definitely be difficult because, I, you know, we talk with a lot of operators across the country and a few of them are opened up wide open, you know, some of them are not, some of them are partial like Wyoming. It's definitely going to be a, a tough road ahead. I mean, the thing is, is, you know, a lot of us have equipment piling up in our, in our uh, warehouses, you know, and our trucks are full and our trailers are full and, you know, I mean, it's, it's, there's going to be a lot of equipment out there that's going to be available. The good thing that I do see out of this whole thing is, and it's actually on your guys' side, is the pinball side of it is incredible. I mean, we've been selling some of our old pinball machines and stuff like that for incredible money right now, you know, because the home market is sitting there wanting to play pinball again, you know. And so that's really helped us survive this. I mean, a lot of the, the video, you know, the older video and stuff like that is doing okay too, selling that. But you know, that's really kind of kept us alive. But I mean, you know, as far as the next six months to a year, I think it's going to be difficult on the operator, especially because they're going to have a lot of extra equipment sitting around, you know, in a lot of locations that, because I mean, we've honestly probably lost close to 10 locations already through this whole deal. And, you know, the longer it goes on, I mean, each, each month, it's going to be a few more, you know, that are just going to turn that sign around, say we're done, you know, and we're closed. And so, I mean, I'm optimistic. I'm hopeful. I mean, once we get back, opened up. I mean, I've seen it in Cheyenne. I mean, a lot of our, 
our uh, bars that have opened back up are doing really good numbers. I mean, especially on the jukeboxes, you know, and the pool and stuff like that is doing well. I mean, people are coming back, they want to play, you know, so that's been encouraging, you know, that's helping pay the bills and stuff like that. So I will tell those that are out there that are closed right now, hold on to the hope because, you know, when they do actually get to open up, it seems like they come back pretty strong. You know, I mean, and granted, I mean, we're at 50% capacity, so we can't expect to be where we're at, but you know, I mean, every little bit helps us pay the bills and maintain and survive this, you know, so. Yeah. But hang yeah, in there. And, and they, the thing is, there, there's pent up demand. You know, people, yeah. trust me, people are not happy being stuck in their homes. Uh, no. so they <laughs> they want to get out, they want to do the things they, they used to do. And, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, you and, and some of the other folks that, that I, I've talked to, uh, you know, Rachel down in Arizona, Logan, who you know, uh, over in, yep. in Portland, you know, you, you guys have, you know, some of the best shots because you, you're able to adapt and, and you guys, you know, you, you knew that at some point there would be a rainy day and you're, you know, I, and I think one of your strengths is that you are very involved in the overall community. So you're able to see what's going on. You're able to educate yourself. And, and not only that, you're helping others, which, you know, right. you, you have become one of the, uh, I, I guess, one of the folks that people turn to for advice. And that was before COVID. And as I've talked to other folks, it's, you know, it's now as well. So it's, uh, it, we're very lucky to have folks like you. So thank you. Yeah, no, thank you guys too. And thank you for all you guys do, because without, you know, manufacturers like you guys that support the, the local and the small, you know, the organizations, I mean, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be here without you guys and you guys provide an awesome product, you know, so thank you guys as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's, hey, it's, it, it, at the end of the day, I know this is a, a tough time, but we're still in a very fun business. I mean, it's, yes. we, we, we sell fun. That's what we do. That's it's, right. Our fun just happens to be really, really fun. And it's pinball. Yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's exactly right. Every time my kids tell somebody what their dad does, they're just like, what? You got all these video games and all this stuff. And it's like, yep, yep. You know what I mean? It is. We are in a fun industry and we're in a resilient industry. And I feel we're going to come back strong. You know, just absolutely. We, we've had ups and downs before, but we'll, we'll definitely come back. That's absolutely right. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on. Uh, really appreciate it. And is there, uh, so with, with flippers, is there any way that, that people can support you guys or did you have, uh, you know, any, any uh, merchandise or anything that you sell or, or yeah. anything like that? Yeah, we do. We sell t-shirts and, and stuff like that. And that helps us right now as well. Like you said, you know, you can go on Facebook, uh, it's flippershyan.com or no flippershyanne. Yeah, I think it's, I'd have to get back to you on that one, but if okay. you search flippers in Facebook, you'll find it. And, you know, we've got merchandise on there and stuff like that. You can get a t-shirt and stuff like that. And if you're ever in the area, stop by because we've got about 40 pinballs in there and from the old electromechanicals on up and to the brand new Stearns. So yeah, it's a, it's a great, great deal. <laughs> and, and I will be uh, on our website in our Instagram and all that. I will be sharing pictures that, uh, that Bob just sent to me today. So it's a, it's a fantastic place. But again, thanks for coming on uh, the show and yeah. I'll, I'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thank you, Ryan. Yeah, I appreciate it. You too. Bye. Thank you to Bob for the chat. And thank you for listening to another episode of Ball Safe. If you have some thoughts or suggestions for future guests, please reach out to us by the following methods. You can go to ballsafe.com. You can email us at ballsafe at icloud.com. Ball Save Group is on Facebook, at Ball Save Group on Twitter, 
and then ball.safe on Instagram just to switch things up. We'll be loading an unedited version of the interview with Bob on YouTube, so check out the socials for that. A special thank you to Roar Roar Dragon. They sent in the new intro that you may have heard at the beginning of this episode. So thank you very much for that. And if you would like to contribute music for other parts of the show, please uh, send us a message at ballsave at iCloud.com. We're also looking for art for the logo. So until next time, please take care of yourselves. And Debbie Harry, if you're listening, you got me hanging on the telephone.